This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in-store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, a Chinese EV battery maker plans a big investment in Michigan. Record shipping costs are adding to auto supply chain woes. And the NTSB calls for passive alcohol detection systems in all new vehicles. Plus, a look at the role that utilities are playing in the electrification revolution. The home charging ideally will be done overnight. That is where the grid has the most capacity. And so that's where as a utility, we're saying do that. <laughs> do more of that, please. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. A multi-billion dollar battery plant could be coming to West Michigan. Chinese battery maker Goshen could spend up to $3.6 billion on the plant. The Detroit News first reported the plan late Tuesday. It says Goshen plans to add 500 jobs initially and up to 2,000 within 10 years. State officials confirmed the plan today. The factory would be located near Big Rapids, about 50 miles north of Grand Rapids. Rental car company Hertz Global Holdings plans to order up to 175,000 General Motors electric vehicles over the next five years. It's the latest move by the rental car firm to add zero emission models. Hertz will order Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, and Bright Drop EVs through 2027. It expects to begin taking delivery on Chevy Bolt EVs and Bolt EUVs early next year. GM CEO Mary Barra says the deal will help reach the company's goal of selling a million EVs annually by 2025. What we've learned is when a a customer experiences an EV, they're twice as likely to purchase. So this is going to be a wonderful opportunity to showcase General Motors EVs from Chevrolet all the all through all of our brands, even including Bright Drop. Barr was speaking on CNBC. GM North American Operations Chief Steve Carlisle says the multi-billion dollar multi-year deal could be the first of many GM's agreements to supply EVs to rental car companies. The last thing the auto industry needs is another supply chain disruption. And yet, here we are. The latest problem gumming things up for production? A lack of ships. Earnings for freighters that move autos and industrial machines across the globe have surged to about $80,000 a day. According to Clarkson Research Services, that's the highest it's seen since at least the year 2000. It's a headwind, but a relatively small one. Seaborne trade is a fraction of overall activity for the industry. And the National Transportation Safety Board is calling for all new vehicles to be equipped with passive alcohol detection systems. The technology can limit or prevent the impaired drivers from operating those vehicles. The agency's recommendations follow an investigation into a 2021 crash in California that killed nine people, including seven children. The NTSB found that the crash was caused by an impaired driver who was speeding. The infrastructure law that President Biden signed last year orders the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to issue a final rule by November 2024 requiring new vehicles to have advanced drunk driving and impaired driving prevention technology. 
And Jamie, those are today's headlines. Now, I see, Jamie, that Goshen supplies batteries for Volkswagen. Do you think that this is a win for VW when it comes to EV tax credits? You know, it sure could be if Goshen uh, builds this plant. You know, they have a supplier here in North America already, uh, local to their plant. But as we've learned anything from the chips crisis, it's very good to be double sourced on all crucial components and batteries would be one. Well, with more batteries means more EVs, which means utility companies are going to need to step their game up. Coming up, utility companies are becoming more involved in the auto industry as more cars go electric. We'll hear from an official with Consumers Energy about its work preparing for the flood of EVs. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Michael Dunn, son of legendary car spy Jim Dunn, and I'm also the host of the Driving with Dunn podcast. Over the last 26 years, I founded two companies, became president of GM Indonesia, and I was featured on 60 Minutes. Today, I run Zozo Go, a global market intelligence company with deep expertise in electrics and autonomous cars. Driving with Dunn is going on 80 episodes. Our guests include Henrik Fisker. We're gonna modernize the Pope Mobile. Linda Zhang, chief engineer of the F-150 Lightning, and many more. You can listen at zozogo.com or wherever you get your podcast. Picture your service drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and check in at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene. And you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines, no more wasted time, and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish-language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Utilities are quickly becoming key players in the push to get more electric vehicles on the road. They're going to have to figure out how to supply power to millions of new vehicles in just a few short years. Consumers Energy is one of the largest utilities in Michigan. On the latest episode of Shift, a podcast about mobility, host Pete Bigelow spoke with Executive Director of Consumers Electric Vehicle Programs, Sarah Nielsen. Here's a piece of their conversation. What are the challenges in, in what appears to be a rapid build-out? And, and what's kind of the strategy, actually, where you, you do kind of take the, the bite-sized chunks one at a time to get to 2030? Yeah, interesting question. So for us, we're looking at 2030 um, as the year that we get a million cars on the road in our territory. That's our consumer's energy amb ambition for 2030 which it fits really well with the state's goal of 2 million. 
so just to put that into perspective, there's about 47,000 EVs in Michigan today, 21,000 in our territory. So we want to take that 21,000 to a million by 2030. So what does that look like? How do you bite that up into chunks, like you said? One of the big things we're tackling is residential home charging. Uh, that's a huge potential area for those who are able to charge at home overnight. And it's really new because we don't do that with our gas cars today, right? Like, and you don't think about that. So it's a huge opportunity. It's a big, you know, it's going to be a big convenience factor for customers to be able to just wake up in the morning, your car is ready to go. Michigan actually has quite a lot of people with garages, just because again of our automotive legacy, <laughs> we had a lot of houses built with garages. And so how do we maximize that opportunity with home charging is one big thing we're biting off. And then the public chargers, uh, the ones that are used, the ones that need to be there just to give people peace of mind, that's a big part as well. And it, what I would flag there, I'm happy to go into further if interested, is the partnership between the utility and the state to get those dollars out, get the chargers in the ground. We've had a wonderful relationship with the state so far on our first um, 200 chargers and, and plan to continue that. How does, how does that relationship, you know, so follow that thought, how does that relationship get more complicated as you go from 200 to a, a widespread scale? Yeah, um, again, I think bite-sized chunks is critical. <laughs> so um, for us as the utility, we, over the next two years, our goal is 100 fast chargers and 100 more level twos in our territory. So we're gonna work with the state on citing each one of those and hopefully be able to match funds with them uh, to get those in the ground. I know the state is also going to be needing to coordinate that with the other utilities. And then on top of that, you you know, we're not the only game in town. There's like other networks that are building chargers out. So um, I think at the state level, looking at how they need to connect and make sure that, you know, chargers are going in places that are needed is going to be critical. Sarah, I'm curious when you were talking about the, the residential charging that is, you know, a new thing, so to speak, uh, nowadays. Does that present different challenges for a utility company than, than public charging? Uh, or, or, or is a charger a charger and you're providing energy to them uh, all the same? We do think about it really differently because it's a different use case. Um, the home charging, uh, you know, ideally will be done overnight. That is where the grid has the most capacity. And so that's where as a utility, we're saying, do that, <laughs> do more of that, please. Um, that benefits everyone because we're able to provide that extra power without, you know, in a lot of cases requiring grid upgrades. And so then those savings are able to be passed over to all customers, whether or not you have an EV. So there's a big opportunity there on the residential side and a big focus on us is like helping people charge at home if they are able to, helping them understand when is a good time to charge. So a lot of focus there. I think an ancillary to that is for those who can't charge overnight, what is our solution for them? Can we provide overnight charging locations near their house? That's something that we're hoping to pilot next year. Um, apartment buildings have been typically uh, an obstacle. So how do we work with um, apartment owners uh, to get chargers there? And what's interesting there is like, I think there is a tide turning where um, like landlords are starting to see that as a new amenity. Um, and so we're excited to work with them there. So I think that's how we think about the residential side. The public charging is more of like a, not an emergency, but like a, I need it, I'm out, or it's a convenience thing, I'm here, I might as well top off. So those I think are less flexible in terms of when people are gonna wanna use those. And for those, I think it's more about, 
again, getting them out there so people can use them, um, but having the power ready for when they need it, because they're going to need it when they need it. Let me take a quick step back. Uh, you're the executive director of the electric vehicles program at Consumer Energy. What's, what does your job entail? Uh, what do you spend your time on? Yeah, um, very lucky with my job. So currently we've got uh, two programs for electric vehicles. One is Power My Drive, which is focused on the residential home as well as the public, public charging. So pretty much the two big things we've talked about already today. In the three years the program has existed, um, we've rebated over 2000 chargers. So a lot of those are home chargers, but then we've installed 200 level two and 37 fast chargers. So really just helping like get the chargers in the ground. Along the way, we have a lot of education, brand new website uh, to help customers there. We just launched actually last month, a new installer network where customers can call us. Um, we'll hook them up with an installer uh, guaranteed within 10 days to get your charger installed. And then we kind of tack the rebate on at the end. So really trying to help just facilitate that. And then the other half of my job um, for EVs is on the fleet side, which we haven't even delved into yet, but we have a pilot program called Power My Fleet. And that one uh, in this first year is focused on uh, these fleet assessments. We can, offer to we can offer for free to our customers so they can get a sense of what vehicles make sense to electrify and when. So we are 30 out of 50 done with those already. And what's really neat, Pete, is in every single one so far, it has made sense to electrify at least one vehicle today. Like it would save them money today. So it's very cool. And I think it's been pretty eye-opening for them and us in terms of like, this isn't a far away thing anymore on the fleet side, not by a long shot. So we're learning a lot about fleets there. And then we also have um, some funding in our pilot to help rebate and offset the cost of chargers just to help them get those vehicles in the ground or the chargers in the ground for the vehicles. Yeah, hopefully the vehicles are not in the ground. <laughs> exactly. No, it's not where we want them. <laughs> Maybe along the lines of, of fleets, like, tell me I'm wrong here. I, I kind of feel like they're the low-hanging fruit compared to the, you know, the personal ownership for, for everyday consumer side of, of the electric vehicle market. Like, there's clear commercial benefits, uh, you know, as you just alluded to, at least for, you know, for one, one car and a fleet. Uh, are fleets kind of where we should be starting with the first wave as opposed to the other side? Yeah, um, I think we're there. I would actually argue though that we're way past starting. <laughs> so we are like in, we're in the waves. Uh, I think it's coming faster than people might realize on the fleet side in the next three, four years. To your point, like the economics are there. Fleet owners tend to be more conscious of pricing, you know, make decisions a little bit more price related than the, the normal consumer. So I think when they start to see those numbers start to stack up, it will make sense. Um, and, you know, fleet owners are already very conscious of how they use their vehicles. They're aware of mileage. You know, if you ask me, you know, how far away my parents' house was in Cleveland, I would tell you in hours, not in miles, right? But with an electric vehicle, you do have to start thinking in miles and those fleet owners already do. So I agree. I think that there's a ton of potential there. Just one quick anecdote, when we launched our pilot last year, we immediately had a wait list for those fleet assessments. So like those 50 were just like snapped up. Um, we actually got to be a little choosy and make sure we got like different variety of fleets across the board. So yeah, a lot of interest there. Um, I think it's really exciting. 
it's really interesting to think about the transition to EVs and, and getting that mindset to shift from from how much time does it take me to get somewhere to how many miles does it take? That that's really interesting. I'm I'm gonna have to wrap my head around that a little bit, but I think you're spot on. Uh huh. It's very different. Um, and I I mean I live and breathe in this world, and I still don't quite think of things in miles, um, unless we're driving our EV. So it's like, yeah, it is. I mean that's just one example of the changes um, that are going to be required as we shift. Sarah Nielsen is the executive director of electric vehicle programs at Consumers Energy in Michigan. She spoke with our own Pete Bigelow. You can hear their full conversation on Shift, a podcast about mobility, wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Eric Varton of Yazaki North America, which won two solo awards at the Automotive News Pace Awards this week. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.